Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 144. Psalm 144. We have read this psalm several times before. It has been at times said to be one of the church's favorite psalms or a theme psalm for this church because of the prosperity that it describes in verses 12 through 15 and because of the prayer by David for God to deliver him from strange children in verses 7 and 11 and for David's description of who it was that enabled him to be the mighty man of valor and the mighty man of war that he was, not only in defeating his enemies, but subduing the nation of Israel under him, though he came from a different tribe of Israel from his predecessor. Let's all rise together as we read the 144th Psalm. Together. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Man is like to vanity, His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them. Send thine hand from above. Rid me, and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord, for the 144th Psalm. 
God took David's hands and fingers, his hands from dealing gently with sheep, his fingers from dealing with the strings of a harp, and taught his hands and his fingers how to war and how to fight. God himself is described as a God of war in the Bible, and he taught David, the man after his own heart, to be such a leader of his people and a conqueror of his enemies. He describes the Lord in military terms in the second verse as his goodness, his fortress, his high tower, his deliverer, and his shield, and who subdued the nation under him. For several years, a couple years, those tribes followed the son of King Saul, and only Judah followed David after King Saul died. But the Lord brought the whole nation to him and subdued them under him, and it was one powerfully united kingdom that wrecked havoc on enemies all the way from the Euphrates in Iraq to the Nile River in Egypt. What is man that thou takest knowledge of him? David confesses in the third verse that it's overwhelming to him that God would have an interest in his life. And God has an interest in the lives of each of his people. And I hope that you never forget that. God is not limited like the rest of us. And if if sometimes we neglect you or forget you, God never neglects or forgets you. He knows you as well today as he did yesterday, and as well as he will know you tomorrow. And he has loved you with an everlasting love from eternity and shall love you through eternity. Right. He goes on to describe the vanity of our human nature in verse 4 and how quickly our lives pass away. He asks God to come down and destroy his enemies. When he says touch the mountains, he didn't really mean... Paris Mountain, or Mitchell Mountain, Mount Mitchell. He met the enemies of God that appeared sometimes to be rather impregnable and and fearful, like mountains, but he asked God to come down and bow the heavens and shoot forth lightning and scatter them and shoot with his arrows and destroy them. But then he has to turn internal. You know, every army has enemies outside and they have enemies inside. The enemies inside are deserters and traitors. And the church of God is like an army. And we have a loyalty to one another. You know, some, some men who understand this that have been in the military call it a band of brothers. And we have a band of brothers because we have a captain who is the captain of our salvation. Right. And we're all soldiers in one respect. And your pastor's a soldier in a different respect and the respect that you are. And we want to be faithful to him and to one another. We don't want to be deserters as we just described in two. And we don't want to be traitors by accompanying with or befriending those who don't want to fight, who want to give up the Lord Jesus Christ and captain and turn their backs and run in the heat of battle. They deserve to be shot in the back. And that's why we shun them. And you're violating the rules of engagement and strong military bodies whenever you do that. And David after having asked God to destroy external enemies in verses 5 and 6, he asked God to destroy internal enemies in verses 7 and 8. Send thine hand from above. Rid me and deliver me out of great waters. It was mountains. Now it's great waters. You're drowning at sea because there's so many unfaithful men around you and not just unfaithful, they're deserters and traitors. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children. Let me out of their grasp. Save me from them. 
whose mouth speaketh vanity. Their words are empty. Their words are not sincere. Their words are not based in commitment and purpose. Their words are not based in courage and perseverance. They tell us they're with us. They tell us they love the Lord. They tell us they love His church. They tell us they love His doctrine. They tell us they love His pastor. Then they show us colors of a completely different kind. They show us a uniform of the enemy. And so David said, Get rid of those that speak vanity, that is, words that mean nothing, profitless words, empty words, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. When men give each other the right hand, whether it be this way, or this way, or this way, they mean that I have your back, I am with you, I will not leave. And it's because that we're all with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the words are this way, between two of the greatest fighting men in the Old Testament, Is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? Jehu uttered those words. Jonadab said, It is. Jehu said, Come up in my chariot then with me and let me show you my zeal for the Lord. And what was that zeal? To kill the king of Judah and to kill the king of Israel and all their sons and their wives. And trample them under his horse. Go read it in 2 Kings 9 and 10. At the end, he doesn't get the Medal of Honor from the Congress of the United States. He gets a statement from the God of Heaven that Jehu did everything that was well-pleasing in my sight. But he didn't finish his course. Jehu was a military captain. He was inserted into the reins of Israel and Judah without legitimate descent. And God gave him the kingdom. But he took it away after three of his sons because he turned to the sins of Jeroboam and committed the very sins that he had destroyed in others. And let it not be true of any of us that we stand in judgment against another and then go out and be guilty of similar or same sins of theirs. Lord, help us from such hypocrisy. But that's not the point. I've got a little off track, but it was for your good. The point is, there's enemies without and there's enemies within, and we don't want enemies, any enemies within. We want to be united as one man, one voice, one heart, one mind, one faith, one baptism, one pastor, one Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Not be all broken up, splintered, and running in all directions because the enemy's approaching. That's when we have to gird ourselves together better than ever. And David, Doeg the Edomite, King Saul, his own family turned against him. There were so many that turned against David, the man after God's own heart, the greatest hero the nation ever had, that when he left Jerusalem, the great vast majority of the nation was with Absalom. They were, they were experiencing prosperity and military success like they never had in their lives. Yet they chose Absalom because he was a pretty boy and because he was a liar that told them that if he was king, they would always have an audience with the king. Look at what he says next. He has so much confidence that God is going to do, verses 
5 and 6 and 7 and 8, enemies on the outside and enemies on the inside, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. The sword without, the sword within. God knew, David knew where his deliverance was from. It was from the Lord. And so in the midst of this prayer, he says, Give me my ten strings, my instrument of ten strings, and let me compose a song and praise the Lord. They call it a renaissance man, a man who can lead an army into victory and then sit down and write poetry and play a harp. You know, men who just play a harp and write poetry, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the vast majority of them have a problem. And I'll let you figure out what that is. But David was a true renaissance man right. in the sense of that, that foolish designation. He was far above that. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a king and he was a prophet of the Most High God. Right. Then he prays it again because he knows how dangerous it is. And why would he pray it again unless there were a lot of them? Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity in their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. They make commitments and promises before us. We extend to them the right hand of fellowship, and it's insincere. They're hiding hatred in their hearts. They're hiding false doctrine and heresy in their hearts. We want to pray for God to deliver us from them. Right. You say, but if we keep practicing church discipline the way we are, we're going to get smaller instead of larger. We're going to leave that in God's hands. Amen. Brother Jerry wrote me this week and was giving me some statistical analysis on the growth curve of our church. And I wrote him back and I gave him a few examples and I've worked on that project a little bit since then, brother. But I want you to remember that in the church of God of the Old Testament and the church of God of the New Testament, there are some good examples given to us. I want you just a couple, please. Allow me. After 120 years of preaching righteousness, how many did Noah have in his church? Eight. And how many were good members and how many were we-don't-know members? One good member and seven so-so. You say, that's not fair. That is the truth of the Bible. The rest of the world wanted to drown in the flood. They had never seen rain and they wanted to see it. They got to see it. Let me give you another one. How many were excluded and what percentage? of the church that came out of Egypt? All but two. What's the percentage? I don't know. It's like 99.9999% got excluded. Who excluded them? The God of heaven. Did the excluded ones include Moses? Yes. We're huge. I'm the pastor of a mega church. Amen. Joel Osteen, eat your heart out. Do you know what I mean? I have a whole lot of examples here. That's enough for now. Look at the prosperity of verses 12 through 15. We want sons that are mighty men, like plants growing up in their youth, strong, virile, healthy, prospering, growing, fruit-bearing, daughters that are like princesses, Cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. Now, stones 
You don't usually think of a girl as a stone, but that is a strong, hard girl, but polished to shine and to reflect the glory of God. Strong in character, but beautiful in the reflection she gives. Marble, granite, polished to a brilliant surface. That's the daughters we want. And how do we get them? By God delivering us from enemies on the outside and enemies from the inside. That's how you get this. That's why we just did what we did. And we know that the Lord has prospered. Go over and look to see if our garners aren't full, affording all manner of store. If our sheep are bringing forth thousands and ten thousands, look at it today and bless God. And that our oxen are strong to labor. There's no breaking in nor going out. There's no complaining in our streets. Let's not have any complaining. Now the complaining here is that there wouldn't be any because they'd be basking in so much prosperity and protection and peace. Has a nation ever had all that we have? Even in this late hour in the history of our nation, we have so much of the things that people have prayed for, fought for, and desired to have in their national heritage. We still have them. We are blessed abundantly. And we thank Thee, Heavenly Father. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Delivered from their enemies outside, enemies inside, sons and daughters growing up, glorious heritage and family and family trees, financial prosperity, professional prosperity, no breaking in, no wars, peace. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. What else could you ever want than to have these things and God as your Lord? May the Lord bless us to understand this great blessing and how we get it. And we just did. And we shall do later this day what we need to do to get it from the hands of our benevolent Father in heaven, even the Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. May the Lord add blessing to His word. Amen.